I'm Daniel Hagedorn from Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is day 20 of our 365-day journey with you. My wife and I are passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as a number one expert on their own kids, and so we talk about the principles any parent can learn and apply to help their children discover truly the best version of of themselves. So we dig into and answer every parent's most core basic fears, things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess my kids up. Remember, our ceiling is our children's floor. So as parents, we need to always be learning and growing. So for the next 365 days, you have been personally invited into our experiment, and we're going to walk alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies. Every day, every step of the way. I'm kind of excited to be starting a series with you about technology. One of the things that we've been kind of building on in the in the previous podcasts is really the, the foundation that everything starts from. Um, we wanted to, to kind of go through and, and really talk about those those core things that we have to have in place. Just like if you're going to build a house, you have to pour the foundation first, right? That was that was kind of what the the podcasts up to this point have really been been all about. Um, because without that, anything less really just kind of becomes a band aid. And so, one of the things that is really um, is on my mind and on my heart a lot is technology. And I just want to say right at the outset, I am not anti-technology. In fact, the technology I'm using for this podcast blows my mind. I love it. I'm grateful every day for it. It's incredible. Um, there, there are so many benefits to technology. Honestly, technology is really just a tool, right? Um, it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. In some ways, it's like fire, right? Fire can... Um, keep you warm and, and alive in, in wintertime, or it could burn your house down. I mean, it's the same, It's but it's the same element, fire, right? And so I just want to talk, though, about some of, the, some of the principles that hopefully govern our use of technology, because one of the things that I have seen as a teacher, as a parent, as just someone engaged in this process is so often kids are getting used by technology rather than using it. And, and new technology, whenever it does come around, it seems to inspire one of two responses, either incredibly just mindless enthusiasm or pretty rigid opposition. In fact, um, I'm going to suggest the debate over its benefits and harms rarely allows for very much gray area. But whichever side of the argument someone chooses to take, there really is virtually nothing that can be done to slow the growth of technology. So basically the question becomes, what can we do, right? Uh, I mean, well, we can choose to educate, <laughs> sorry, I'm not talking well here. We can choose to educate ourselves concerning the, the purpose of technology as well as what that technology does. And then if we ground our children in a foundational understanding of it, its history, social impact, psychological biases, then hopefully they will come to a place where we talked about earlier, where they use technology rather than be used by it. 
And see, the thing is, is technology, technology is always promising solutions to every problem. And yet, at the same time, its potential harms are very seldom mentioned. As Neil Postman wisely observed, the problems of the 21st century will be no more stunning, disorienting, or complex than those we faced in this century, or the 19th, 18th, 17th, or for that matter, many of the centuries before that. Henry David Thoreau put it this way, all our inventions are but improved means to an unimproved end. And someone else said this, I, I wish I knew the source of the quote, but they said, they put it this way, the human dilemma is as it has always been, and it is a delusion to believe that the technological changes of our era have rendered irrelevant the wisdom of the ages and the sages. Now, obviously there are some problems that are unique to our time, but what I'm really trying to say here is that there are some principles that can be gleaned, and these principles do not change. These principles are as true today as they were yesterday, and as they will be tomorrow. In fact, I'm going to suggest there are five timeless principles of technology, insightfully articulated by Neil Postman originally, that, that provide a useful metric that parents can use to evaluate the advantages and disadvantages of technological change. And I think it's important to focus on the principles too, just as a general rule, but in particular with technology, because technology changes so quickly that I could give you a list of 10 great practicals that are awesome and they're, they're obsolete next week. You know what I mean? So it just doesn't really help the conversation. That's why I really want to focus on principles. Because we're, we're now living in an age where access to information never been easier. The volume of information we have access to has never been greater. And yet, and yet, in irony of ironies, we have never been so collectively uninformed or at the very least superficially informed. And so change may be inevitable, but progress is most definitely not. And that's why it's entirely our responsibility to decide whether or not that change is going to be beneficial or harmful for ourselves, our families, and even our communities. And sadly, the critical questions that are posed by this, by this exponentially changing technological landscape, they've been largely ignored. And these questions have been ignored to our individual and collective detriment. I'm giving, I'll even go so far as to say that this age of information may actually be a curse if we become so blinded by its promises that we're rendered incapable of identifying and locating the true source of our problems. So I just wanna, let's just kind of dig in here and, and, and just talk about the first principle. The first principle is every technology is a trade-off. It has advantages and disadvantages. And for every advantage offered by technology, there is a corresponding disadvantage. Therefore, sometimes the advantage outweighs the value and importance of the disadvantage and vice versa. Now, the thing is though, this is not always as obvious as it seems because advances in technology are usually viewed as offering only advantages without 
any disadvantages. And that creates, uh, well, an imbalanced perspective, to say the least. And so the greater the wonders of a new technology, the greater their potential for negative outcomes. The problem is we have techies who, you know, wax poetic over the wonders of computers, but rarely, if ever, consider their liabilities. Let's just, let's just go back in time a little bit and kind of walk our, through, our way through this a little bit. So think about the automobile. Yes, clearly it offers a lot of conveniences, but it has also polluted our air and gridlocked our cities. It has also degraded the beauty of our natural landscape. And again, I'm not saying this is good, bad, right, or wrong. I'm just simply saying these are the trade-offs that we have received, right? Think about advances in medicine. Yes, numerous diseases have been cured or at least become more treatable, but it has also caused several diseases and disabilities, and it has also reduced the diagnostic abilities of physicians. Think about the printing press. Yes, Western civilization received the gift of prose, for sure, and that's been unbelievably valuable. But the printing press also, at least at the time, reduced poetry to kind of an exotic uh, elitist form of communication. It's given us inductive science at the expense of relegating genuine faith to a form of uh, basically uh, superstition almost. It, it has also translated the Bible into various languages while presenting, well, or at least offering the impression that God is an Englishman or a German or a Frenchman. In other words, the, the printing press reduced God to the human dimensions of a local ruler, right? So all of these things, there are very clear benefits, but there are also very clear harms. And it's really an issue of deciding, do the harms outweigh the benefits or vice versa? So some questions to ask are things like, what will a new technology do or undo. For example, has modern technology enabled us to truly communicate better? It's a good question to think about. Because see, the thing is, is that every utopian or messianic vision for a brighter tomorrow should be met with a healthy dose of skepticism, especially, especially when the message is delivered by those who are lacking a sense of historical context with which to evaluate the true cost of the technology. In other words, the cost to the culture, the society, individuals, etc. And that's, that's important. All right, the second principle that we're going to kind of delve into here is the disadvantages or advantages of technology are unevenly distributed. Now, this is something that's kind of universal. Every new technology benefits, harms, or has no effect on others. So, give you an example. The printing press. Martin Luther described the invention of the printing press as, quote, God's highest and extremest act of grace, whereby the business of the gospel is driven forward. So, as far as Luther was considered... Mass-producing scriptures placed the Bible into every Christian home, 
It undermined the authority of the church hierarchy and it hastened the breakup of the Holy Roman See. So let's kind of walk through this. Back then, right? Back then, if you were a Protestant, you cheered this development. You whipped out your pom-poms and went, woohoo! Okay. But if you were a Catholic, you were enraged and distraught by this development. If you were a Buddhist, you could have cared less. See? Television is another example. Television affects almost everyone, one way or another. So for some, TV has given them high-paying, gratifying careers as executives, technicians, directors, newscasters, or entertainers. But TV has also demonstrated that careers based on the printed word should be approached with caution. Kind of like a uh, turn-of-the-century blacksmith who's singing the praises of the automobile because he believes it's going to benefit his business, when in fact, in a few years, it's going to put him out of business. Another example to consider about just how the advantages or disadvantages of technology are unevenly distributed is the iPhone and video games. A few years ago, and this you can tell, this was a few years ago, uh, Apple introduced their, at the time, brand new iPhone 5S. And that was right at the same time that Rockstar Games released Grand Theft Auto V, which made a collective one over 1 billion in the first three days of its release. That's amazing. But how many starving kids in Africa, Malaysia, and Indonesia gave a crap about that? Or how many of the three plus billion people in the world who live on less than $2.50 a day cared about that development, right? Think about the computer. Computers benefit large-scale organizations, clearly, um, like the military, airline companies, banks, etc. Computers also benefit high-level researchers in physics and other natural sciences. But if you think about it, and just, just keep an open mind here, how has, the com how has computer technology truly benefited the public at large? like steel workers, retail store owners, automobile mechanics, musicians, bakers, bricklayers, dentists, pastors, etc. And yes, I'm not blind to the, the developments that have happened in those areas that have benefited them on some level, right? All we're trying to look at is that, look, the principle at stake here under discussion is that the benefits, the disadvantages and advantages of technology are unevenly distributed. So when we think about how computer technology has truly benefited the public at large, think of it this way. The public has virtually no privacy, and even what little they do have is readily accessible to numerous institutions. The public is being buried under junk mail and spam. Just ask yourself a quick question. How many, how many emails are in your spam folder every day? How many unread emails do you have right now? The public is also more easily tracked and controlled. The public is subjected to more examinations and evaluations. The public is increasingly an easy target for both marketing and political institutions. The public is increasingly mystified by the decisions made about them. And the public has been largely reduced to a numerical barcode. 
I mean, one could easily make the argument that it is the general public who are the losers of the computer revolution. Now, again, we're not talking about good, bad, right, or wrong. We're talking about advantages and disadvantages and how they are unevenly distributed. Now, the winners of the so-called technology sweepstakes, obviously they applaud the age of information and they never seem to tire of reminding everyone that more information will enable us to solve more personal and large-scale social problems as we all move towards a brighter future. You know, the winners actually have a PR method to encourage this. They, they say, look, technology is going to help the public balance their checkbooks, track their recipes, and, convey, and create convenient shopping lists. Technology will enable voting, shopping, entertainment from home, which, of course, renders community life unnecessary. And technology in the age of information will enable us to solve problems both large and small. But let me ask you an important question. Do large-scale problems in the world exist? because of insufficient information? I mean, is that really what it is? So if only we had more information, we could solve all the world's problems? Well, let me ask you another question. How long have we been able to produce enough food to feed every child on the planet? And yet, why do so many still starve each and every day? Why is there still so much violence? Why are so many women and children still abused? Why is divorce and pornography still so prevalent? Why is there still so much mental illness? If all we need is more information and we have more information at our fingertips than is even possible to, to, to research in a hundred lifetimes, then why are all those things still going on if the answer is just more information? See, when we think about this, we have to really ask ourselves, who benefits from the development of a new technology? Which people, which organizations, which industries will be favored as a result? And conversely, which ones will be harmed? And to the computer technology enthusiasts, you have to ask, what or whose interests do you represent? To whom are you attempting to give power? And from whom will you withhold or even take power? Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone involved is, is just uh, has sinister motives and they're just creeping around in the shadows. I'm not saying that. But the reality is that technology favors some at the expense of others. Therefore, these questions need to be asked. And think about it this way. Even if universal access to, to technology were reality, in other words, every person on the planet has access to it, problems would remain. Let me just give you a quick example. Everyone now has access to public libraries. Right? That's why they're public, because they're available to the public. And libraries contain the greatest, most profound, most enlightening literature produced by the human race. Does the public read these books? And again, please understand me, 
No judgment here. Seriously, no judgment here. But have we read Cervantes' Man from La Mancha, Shakespeare's sonnets, Aquinas, Hegel, Nietzsche? I mean, we have access to all these books and more. But have we read them? And even if you have, can we agree that most people have not? Why not? I mean, again, I'm not, that's not a, an attack. I mean, that's literally just a rhetorical question, I think, worth asking. Why not? Why not? Because, see, the thing is, the advantages and disadvantages of technology are unevenly distributed. Let's touch on principle number three. Every technology holds a powerful idea. Now, sometimes these, these ideas are hidden because, you know, they're abstract. Um, but important ideas become embedded in technology, and every technology contains a bias. Therefore, technology, in a very real sense, becomes the lens we use to prioritize our perceptions, values, and accomplishments. Let me just give you a quick example. In a culture without writing, say, Human memory is of the greatest importance. Proverbs, sayings, and songs that contain the accumulated wisdom of centuries. However, cultural values are often a zero-sum game. In other words, whatever one side gains, the other side loses. So let's kind of think this through a little bit. A writing culture favors logical organization and systematic analysis, not memory, proverbs, and or traditional wisdom. A telegraphic culture values speed and immediacy, not introspection and historical context. A computer culture values information, not knowledge, and certainly not wisdom. In fact, in the computer age, the concept of wisdom may vanish altogether. But all technology contains within it a philosophy. And it's this philosophy that directs how the technology encourages people to use their minds and bodies, to use the law, to increase or decrease the senses they value, and to amplify or disregard their emotional and intellectual tendencies. All these things happen as a result of technology because all technology contains a philosophy. And so as a society, we, we have a tendency to focus on the obvious. And in doing so, we largely miss the big picture structural changes in our day-to-day -day lives that are introduced incrementally over extended periods of time. In other words, we just kind of wake up and go, oh my gosh, what? It's, it's like, you know, like with my daughter. I mean, I remember exactly the moment she was born. I remember exactly that moment in the hospital. I mean, I, 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 that memory is so vivid and printed in my mind. And my daughter's 14. And sometimes I just like, how in the world did that happen, right? It, it's these changes happen incrementally. I see her every day and poof, one day she's 14. And you go, how did that world did that happen, right? So... Every technology holds a powerful idea because whenever the new latest thing comes along, many of its benefits and harms are actually pretty obvious because generally we understand what it's intended to do. We understand what it will do. 
we understand what it might replace, and we generally understand its advantages and disadvantages. But here's the thing. It's only after some time has passed, it's only after we've gained some experience that we usually reflect on the actual changes that technology brought. And also, more importantly, the changes that we failed to consider when they were first introduced. Of course, by then, it's too late to undo what has already been done. And that's why, you know, Marshall McLuhan is sort of famous for saying the medium is the message, the medium, because every technology holds within it a powerful idea. All right, I just wanna thank you so much for listening. I know there are literally hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to give us your time. We're so grateful for that. Please check out our website, pk4l.com, for more resources, and please click on the link in the show description if you haven't done so already, and download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. Remember, we are with you every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day.